Okay, hello. All right, welcome to the very first episode of Third Ball Podcast. My name is Jacob North, and uh, we are here in the uh, Delano uh, Public Library over in uh, Minnesota. And uh, I'm here with my uh, sort of co-host. I'll let him introduce himself. My name's Stephen Patzner. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about a few things here. Um, uh, in particular, uh, self-improvement um, through things like diet and fitness, replacing bad habits with healthy habits, and um, knowing joy and how to have joy and how to uh, get reacquainted with joy, um, especially uh, through the trials and tribulations uh, of a long life. So um, Stephen and I are both kind of here to bring, bring you uh, our stories, in particular Stephen's stories, um, and I'll let, I'll let Stephen kind of explain why, how this happened, how this, how this started and why we're kind of sitting here bringing this to you right now. Well, the best thing I can say and what brings this about is I have a driver's license picture in my pocket that I can show everybody if you want to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not real proud of it. I was uh, a very large man. I was uh, in at about 300 pounds. I weigh about 173 right now. Mm-hmm. Very proud of my weight loss, but it was kind of a, a going in through the back door uh, and finding myself that brought about the changes in my life. I did some research, but more than anything, what brings me here today is so many people have asked me to somehow convey to people how I did it uh, in some form or another, whether it be a YouTube video, uh, someone suggested a podcast, that's what brings us here today, or something to just basically tell people my story and uh, where I was at in the AA program. They always talk about where you were at, what happened in your life to make a change, and where you're at right now. So. Mm-hmm. Let's go with that. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, and uh, we're just going to kind of kind of go through some stories. and um, Here, right. let's go with um, the first thing I noticed about telling people when they would ask me to, to, to tell my story and what I told Jacob, which brings us here again today. But I told people that people would ask me my story and then either cut me off or some tell me about their weight loss or how I should lose weight or how I should find happiness or that I was doing it wrong or I wasn't eating organics. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You didn't even give me a chance to, to, to say how, how I did it. Mm-hmm. But it really doesn't matter. Uh, for those who know and care, that's what we're here for today. Right, right. For people who are maybe kind of on that path. Yeah. So, you know, maybe... I don't want to, you obviously don't have a choice, you have to listen, but for those of you who really want to make a change in your life, uh, it's it's been dramatic, and uh, I think one of the first things we can talk about is uh, the successes in my life, things I never thought would happen to me again. Mm-hmm. Again, so let's put a little timeline on it for people. So you are, how old are you right now? I am 53 years old. And when was it that you kind of lost, or when 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 was this improvement or this change started? You, you said again, as in getting back to things again. How, how long as, ago? Uh, as, 
uh, as odd as it may seem, I may not seem very structured, but I, I, I started my business when I was exactly 30 years old, and I started my recovery from this uh, uh, plight of being a horrible alcoholic who drank three liters a day, drank rubbing alcohol, hand sanitizer, anything I could get my hands on, not out of that I had to because I didn't have the money, but because I was lazy and fat and didn't want to go to the liquor store. Um, so I started that at exactly 50. Okay, so it was like th- started at 30, and then at about f- at about 50 is when you put your foot down on yourself and kind of started to make uh, these changes. Right? I got divorced at about 48. Okay. Uh, I try not to think about the my divorce. I don't like to focus on uh, things that could mm-hmm. be perceived as a failure. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure yet whether or not my divorce was a success or a failure. So, well, that's in the in the eyes of you know, the eye of the the beholder, I guess is how you'd say that. But yeah, we can kind of get back to that. Uh, you know, one of, one of the things that we we can focus on later is is uh, a constant uh, in my life. I've always turned a negative into a positive. For example, the the collection job. I didn't want to get into the job, but I thought, hey, there's a lot of money to be made here, so. Okay. Let's you know bring on the job, um, and my wife was driven by money, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I don't. I no longer see that. That's one of the things I realized by almost dying was that uh, I almost died uh, when I was fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was drinking three liters a day. I caught pneumonia. I thought. I didn't really care, so I kept drinking harder, heavier, faster. I thought maybe I'll just die. Mm-hmm. I think that actually happened, although I can't prove it. Mm-hmm. But it brought about some real drastic changes okay. uh, in my life. Okay. So I thought, well, either I can die, but I couldn't die. I I tried, but I, I didn't. And I thought, well, you know what? I may as well make a go of it. Yeah. So I'm going to try my hardest to make a, a, a new and happy life all, all by my lonesome self, and if anyone wanted to join, you know, if anyone wanted to hop on board, I was happy, but so far that hasn't happened, but I found happiness anyway. Yeah, yeah, okay. So you have, uh, you have children, right? You have two, two children? I have three. I have Luke, Claire, and Brooke. Okay, and they're all about in their late teens, early 20s, kind of? Luke is 19, Brooke is or Brooke is 16, and Claire is going to be 17 on 7-7. Okay, I think that's interesting because, for one, I think that you know parents can relate to that. And I also think it kind of paints the picture of, you know, a person with responsibility, responsibilities to other people. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot to, you know, it's one thing to say I was in a business and I was unhappy and I was drinking and I almost died. But it's another thing to say, you know, and at the same time I had the lives of, of three other people, you know, uh, at, at stake. So, so to, you know, to some extent. And uh, so, again, I, I just kind of like throw in, Painting, painting the picture here. For sure. And I think it, in, in painting that picture, one of the things that I haven't brought up yet is that at when, when I got divorced, and I'm not going to get really into the story, I got divorced. I had to give away basically half of what I had. So we parsed it off my business and her business. And then 
some things happened with uh, government and cell phones where bill collecting was no more no longer possible through conventional means because you could no longer call cell phones using an auto dialer. Um, some courts even say you can't call cell phones at all without express written permission by the consumer. That pretty much mm -hmm. ends that job. Right, right. Yeah, and so that's another huge factor. And again, to kind of paint this picture for our, our new uh, audience here, you know, we're telling stories of uh, someone from, from a life who's, you know, had these ups and downs. I mean, you were a pretty successful company at some point, right? Like, I don't want to put it... Very in. successful. Uh, yeah. I've toured the world. I've been to Peru, Rome, Japan, uh, some of the countries several times. Uh, but I've been all over the world. Me and my wife traveled. We had a wonderful family life. Mm. And the loss of that, uh, especially unexpectedly, just one day uh, she came home and uh, had met someone else quite a bit younger than her, and she said, this is the guy for me, and that was it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had the kids, the business. My kids rebelled and locked her out, which shocked me, mm -hmm. but it left me with an incredible responsibility. So if you look at the pressure that built up, Mm -hmm. on me at that point. Mm -hmm. I had a divorce. I had all the kids. They would fight daily and call me. Uh, and then the business started to, to go down because of mm -hmm. uh, pressures out of my control. Right. Things I couldn't control. Right. And I started to spiral downward. One day I thought, well, I hadn't drank for 20 years. But then one day I thought, you know, life worked better for me drinking. Mm -hmm. I thought. So I, I picked up a bottle and I started drinking. Uh, it started out a shot a day, but within a month or two, it became a, a lot more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it, it, it gra gradually expanded to three uh, th three liters a day. Right, right. That's a lot. Um, one thing I wanted to get back to, we're kind of jumping around a okay. little bit, but I wanted to explain the, the title of this podcast to people. Uh, we, we forgot to uh, explain what yeah. third ball podcast means. Um, so the third ball is, uh, well, you know what? This is uh, another conversation that S Stephen and I have had. Um, it refers to pinball. Yeah. And uh, go ahead, Stephen. Uh, In an AA meeting, we were talking, and most of the time, in AA meetings, I used to sit there and listen or fake listen, or I just didn't care, and I thought, this is going to be a big drag. Then one day I thought, you know, I may as well listen to these people, and someone was uh, spewing, for lack of a better term, about how you had to go back to where you were happy in your life. Okay. The last time you were happy in your life, and I thought about that, and I thought, you know, I remember playing pinball from the time I was the littlest kid, but more, most importantly, from eighth grade till I was a senior uh, in high school, and then the drinking age was 19, I fell away from pinball about the same time I started drinking. They, they were not compatible with each other because I couldn't get as high scores because I drank, and it inhibits your physical... Mm -hmm ability to play the game. So my scores were affected. It just wasn't as fun, more costly, on and on. And I fell away from it. And then pinball almost disappeared. Okay. 
for uh, they stopped making pinball machines. No, it wasn't profitable, and no companies picked it up. But then an amazing thing happened right around the same time I was uh, sobering up, or and uh, I had a, a little bit of sobriety under my belt, and they were telling me to search for this point in happiness. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, a freakish thing happened. I was uh, going to sing karaoke at. Uh, Karaoke. What's karaoke? Karaoke is. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Karaoke. Uh, it, I was going to watch people sing karaoke, and sometimes I sang. <laughs> for something to do, I would go out on Fridays and Saturday nights with my friend and, and watch karaoke, um, and it brought me joy, so I was doing that, and then an arcade opened up, and they had old-school video games and pinball. Okay. So I decided, you know, this is my, you know, you have three stages of life. You have your your early development, then you have your midlife, and then you have your last part of life. So I thought there was was an incredible parallel here of this is my third ball in life, and I really yeah. don't care what people think about me. Why not bring back... The third ball is by far the most important in pinball uh-huh. because that's where you have to make it happen. So on that shot, on that, uh, on that ball... On a game, I think, what do you have to lose? So that's where the machine gets shaken. That's where uh, you pull out all stops. You don't mind tilting the game if you have to. It's Either you're going to tilt the game. Uh, The way I look at it is either the game's going to tilt or that ball's going to go down the (laughs) hole. But it isn't going to be, it just isn't going to go down that hole easy. Uh So that's, that. I adopted that lifestyle, and uh, I thought I'm going to be myself whether people like it or not. Yeah, you know. So that's 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 huge. I mean, well, and that's kind of what brings me here is you know I'm looking at you know Stephen you know and your sort of lifestyle as an example of someone who's in their second ball. And, you know, may or may not have, you know, trepidations or challenges or struggles being themselves and, you know, striving to achieve kind of that that state of that third ball where you don't care anymore. You don't care what people think and you're going to live your life the way that you really are and the way that you should and be happy. Um, you know, that's the kind of thing that uh, some people do really easily when they're in their 20s. They're in their second ball and they're already they've already struck that that you know they're 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 themselves already and it's easy other people they see that and they're they're jealous of it or they aspire or they're inspired to sort of get to that point um and you know sometimes it takes you know long a long time or a short time to to make it you know and they have to work on it and they have to kind of go through their own trials and tribulations of their second ball so to speak you know the 20s and their 30s and uh but yeah hopefully the sooner the better more people can kind of get to that that point that you're describing that kind of disposition that you're describing that's a really great point and i know we've talked about it at work before and i think that i've kind of established another theory is i was incredibly shy as a child and the alcohol it really helped me overcome shyness Mm -hmm. and then I went through some really weird thoughts about how are people going to accept me are people going to accept who I am without the alcohol yeah we all understand and then I thought well you know what people act 
stupid and crazy. Uh, I always acted kind of crazy when I played pinball. You should see this guy play pinball. We'll try and get some uh, yeah, visuals we, we, we to can get some. I, I love pinball. Ever since I saw my first game, I saw uh, he, he became my friend. Uh, his name was Bob Purcell. But okay. we became friends. I saw him playing pinball, and there was a crowd of people around him. And he was pointing out the shot he was going to make and jumping around and uh-huh. He was kind of inspirational to me. I, I thought, well, I want to be that guy. So I watched him play a few games, and I said, hey, you know what? Uh, you want to be friends? And he said, sure. And we started establishing kind of like uh, we, we'd dance around. Uh, we were playing uh, disco music at the time. Okay. Uh, Boogie Oogie Oogie was <laughs> the top was the number one song, and we really connected there. Uh-huh. And we would dance around, and people would raise eyebrows, and <laughs> we developed a, kind of a, as odd as it may sound, if we, we didn't necessarily, if people didn't really like our antics, as we called them, uh, dancing around and cavorting, so to speak, after, you know, pushing the machine around, if they weren't, if we could see by their body language that they didn't like that behavior, we would make it our goal to subtly kind of get rid of them uh-huh. by acting worse. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it, it was real interesting. And, I mean, sometimes, you know, mothers take their kids in there to play pinball. And, you know, the little kid will be, you know, playing. And then they'll look over and they'll see this, you know, people who are... you got to understand I was uh, a young adolescent. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mothers would look at us like oh my god these people are acting strange right i still get that oh yeah yeah well that because that was quite a sight to behold i'll be really honest <laughs> i uh steven and i um to paint yeah again i love using that word paint the back paint the picture uh we met at work uh not even that long ago and uh he invited me out to this arcade at, you know i'm a newcomer to the city of minneapolis minnesota and, uh, you know, after kind of convincing me a couple times, he said, come on out. It's an arcade. They got plenty of video games, which I love personally. Uh, and it's a bar, so, um, you know, I can have a beer or whatever after work. We, I show up, and uh, dude's got like, so so anyway. <laughs> headphones in. Headphones in. Cords coming out everywhere. There's like a, a, a light-up glow stick somewhere <laughs> hanging out of his pocket or in his mouth or something. He's got a sucker hanging out of yeah. his mouth. And uh, basically... Little, little, little light show for the, for, <laughs> yeah. for the ladies, so to speak. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, yeah, he's basically like jumping up and down to the music playing and kind of cheering himself on as, yeah. he's, as he's playing pinball. And again, just like he said, this is something that I guess this is part of the pinball culture and that I wasn't aware of, but the sort of uh, grandstanding or yeah. the, uh, yeah, the uh, sort of sh- showmanship that yeah. goes that you point out your shots and you kind of take a second. And I know people can't see my hand gestures right now, but almost like you're pointing a gun at, you know, the... The shot and it, it adds a lot to the experience for someone just watching. It kind of adds again this kind of showmanship or this visual. And uh, anyway, anyway, so that that kind of back to that's a that's a well that that's kind of a in in it to you it may not look that's a 
a routine that's been practiced for yeah. years. Yeah. See, maybe I'm in the dark about it. And, and even if I'm at my home alone, <laughs> you know, with no one, my, my wife would come downstairs and find me after she bought me a pinball machine. She took that away from me. She she didn't understand that part of it was that I like to go out and play video games to entertain other people as well as myself. Pinball's interesting that way. It's it's you versus you, you right. versus the game. Right. You can play with other players. There's a lot of different options. But yeah. unlike a spectator sport like football that people watch on TV, you're the actual player there. Right, right. But my wife would come downstairs after she bought me a, she, uh, a, a pinball machine all hours, day of night. I love pinball that much, and I would be doing these this same stuff as if someone was there, but no one was there. I can only imagine. We're going to segue into, you know, some of the more technical aspects of Steven's physical transformation. So you guys have heard the story about what caused, you know, Steven's personal need for transformation. And um, I figured, you know, I want to give you guys, any listeners, something to walk away with. If you are at the point where you want to, you're ready to start applying, you know, new habits to your own lifestyle. I figured I'd ask Stephen, you know, just more on the technical level, what he did, what kind of things he did. That, uh, again, as soon as we can get some visuals to you guys, we will. Because uh, if you looked at the picture of someone, you know, Weighed, who weighed 150 we'll, pounds. We'll put that up on the on the site mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we'll, we'll have to get my driver's license pictures. I have other pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, 300 pounds, you can like it or lump it. They still joke at the bank about how I told everyone I was going for 300 pounds, uh, mainly, to, uh, mainly to kind of uh, annoy my ex-wife and kind of get her to leave. <laughs> That's another story. Well, that's another story, but that was kind of the... But one thing I realized at 300 pounds, when I was trying to tell people, or it's very difficult to get people's attentions. We live in a visual society these days. Yeah. And whether it be on social media or in person, if you weigh 300 pounds, people don't listen to you. Okay. I, I don't know. You you probably don't realize that. It's, it's difficult for people who have been thinner or not morbidly obese. Uh, they don't even get that you are kind of... It's very acceptable, too. Uh, people don't think about it, but if you asked a black person to pay $2 extra for a shirt, holy hell, can you imagine the fury that would go out? But you ask sure. a, a guy that weighs uh, 300 to pay... $4 extra for a shirt at Walmart, well, they should, you know. And people make comments about, uh, gee, maybe you should cut back. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than anything, I, I saw that nobody ever smiled at me, especially women. And the only women that ever smiled at me were <laughs> anymore when I was 300 pounds was uh, the cashier at the line for a buffet. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> You know, so if there if there wasn't some money to be made off of me, people didn't take anything I had to uh, say seriously. I was pretty heavily involved in politics, and I noticed that, you know, my wife would get this incredible amount of attention. Uh, she was thin, cute, 
and everyone would listen to everything she had to say, even though she didn't have much to say. And I had all these incredible things to say, and people would negate me from the get-go because I was physically uh, unattractive. Uh-huh. Unhealthy. So, yeah, unhealthy. Yeah, and people perceive it as, as, as unhealthy, even though I, I must say I wasn't health. As far as health, I was, you know, pre-diabetic. I was pre-hypertension. I was pre-everything. I had difficulty moving around my home. Um, but mm-hmm. that was, you know, that was then, this is now, but, uh, mm-hmm. it was, uh, I didn't have any serious health implications. And I saw my friends, uh, you know, starting to get type two diabetes. I had a few people at my work that had type two diabetes. I thought, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. So it was time to, it was time to make a change. Mm-hmm. So... Did you cut the alcohol out of your life before you started making changes to your diet and your fitness regimen? I I tried originally to drink and uh, lose weight. I had started dieting, uh, if you can even call it that. Mm -hmm. But alcohol is tricky that way because a liter of alcohol is like a thousand calories or a, a, a liter of booze like rum or vodka is like 1,090 calories. Uh-huh. So that's your whole, I thought, well, <laughs> there you go. That's my diet, a, right. a, a bottle of yeah. booze. So you were starting, you were conscious of your weight and you wanted to change your diet, but you were still drinking. So, yeah, so exactly. It was, so it wasn't. It didn't quite, work. It wasn't working. And then you just break down, you, you drink a liter and you think, I'm going to eat a pizza Right. It just wasn't going to, there was no way there, highly illogical as Spock would put it, to lose weight and drink at the same time. Okay. So realizing that, and and I'll sum it up, it boils down to to diet and exercise, something I always knew. Okay. Combining those things. Exactly. Diet and exercise. More so the diet than exercise. And I've heard that from anyone who's successfully lost weight brings up that point. Uh, I There's plenty of people out there that work out far harder than me mm-hmm. that still their body fat has got to be off the charts. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I realized, this is is big too, in AA, we were talking, and we were talking about denial. And I was sitting there randomly thinking while other people were talking, and I thought, you know, the same concepts of denial in alcoholism, you know, these, these uh, you know, one guy was saying in, in, a, in an AA meeting that he thought that if he drank chocolate milk with his his uh, rum or vodka, that he wasn't an alcoholic. I don't know how he arrived at that. <laughs> but you have these incredible, you know, you're, you're, you're not an alcoholic if you, if, you, if you drink chocolate milk or, or if you go to the different liquor store, people won't see you're an alcoholic. It's absurd. Trying to rationalize. Yes, that. exactly. a word for that. Yes. Yeah, 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 rationalizing it. Yeah. And, and, and I didn't make any bones about it as an alcoholic or a fat man. I'm, I'm like, look, I'm fat. Uh, look, I'm an alcoholic. I would go to the same liquor store unashamed Hey, look, just give me the fucking bottle. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I didn't care if they, if, it was obvious to me, I thought, if they, but then I had to overcome that denial in my life. And, and, and a big thing that happened to me, I went to the farm store, I've told you this story, to buy some shorts, and the highest size they had was size 48 waist. Okay. The farm store is like a, the tractor store. Like yeah, a, tractor like a, supply. A r- rural. Tractor, yeah, yes, of, rural. Yes, a Walmart, rural. like a yeah. rural Walmart. You know. Yeah, well, uh, lower than Walmart. It's sure, like sure. A, a, a farm-grade Walmart, so to speak. But it's where someone would go to buy their clothes. Exactly. They yeah. sell, and I thought, well, that'll be perfect. I'll go get a pair of shorts there. And I went up to size 48, and they were still too tight in the belly. Um, mm-hmm. And my son had to leave. For something, and I thought, you know what, I'm I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to buy a pair of size 48 shorts. It's already too tight in the short or in the waist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, in my head, I thought I'm not that fat. Yeah. Oh, really? You can't fit into a size uh, 48 pair of shorts from the farm store, but you're not that fat. So I had to go back in my head and say, look, I have to overcome this denial. Yeah. And I, I, I thought back, I think back a lot to what my ex-wife uh, told me or during the marriage and what kind of got her to leave. And she said, you know, you're not a, you're not a bad-looking guy. You're as good-looking as anyone out there. You're just fat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. You know, and the truth hurts. I mean, it may it may seem if you she said if you lost the weight, you could be attractive again. And it's something I never believed. So again, more more denial. I thought, well, that that'll never happen. Number 1, it won't happen. And and number 2, uh I didn't think that the weight would come off and that I could look good again. And so I did some research, and I was reading about red light therapy, uh, infrared therapy that was developed by NASA uh, for the sp- to grow plants in space, and that that it would help you shrink up this excess skin from the weight loss. So. Mm-hmm. You're not just looking at a product of diet and exercise. You're looking at, I, I went and I thought, well, where do they have this? And they had it at tanning booths. Uh-huh. So I went into a tanning booth, got a membership, uh, and started, uh, uh, you know, got talked into tanning as well, <laughs> which I was told was going to destroy my skin. But I countered the effects of uh, of the the bad effects of the the, uh, suntan rays or the UV rays, the ultraviolet rays, with the infrared rays. Uh And it worked really nice. The skin shrunk up incredibly, and it's still, it's it's a lasting effect. Uh So all the, I was starting to, my cheeks were starting to sag a a lot. Uh, My belly, or the skin on my stomach was hanging and I started going in and doing the, the infrared or the red light therapy, and it, it, it shrunk that up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plus, there were, you know, uh, cute girls in there that sell you tanning products and mm-hmm. little tanning packages and whatnot. It was always fun to go in, and they were incredibly, they were, th- th- those girls, uh, my daughter's age, were as responsible for my success as anybody because they were like, you can do it. 
All right, so we're going to wrap it up right there. And uh, in our next episode, we're going to pick up the story right where we left off. And we're going to talk about some of the uh, people and the places. We're going to continue talking about some of the more technical aspects beside, uh, behind uh, Stephen's weight loss. Thank you to the Don, Den- where are we? Denalal? Dalinal? Delano, Delano Great Regional Library. Thank you. Yeah, and yeah. I also uh, I wanted to, I wanted to give a couple shout outs to people who inspired me to create this podcast. Uh, Jocko Willink, yeah, uh, out there, your uh, hero. I, have to, I I can't say much more, but you know we'll we'll leave links and and we hope to you know connect in different ways and uh, especially I think the audience might connect the uh, similar audiences. This is all about taking control and responsibility and. Uh, and uh, ha- defeating complacency. We're yeah. going to talk about that next episode. And, yeah. and, and, and just uh, willpower. Uh, Tim Ferriss, huge inspiration for this. And he he brings some science to the diet stuff that I'm going to bring to next uh, our next yeah. episode. He brings a little more of a, a different approach to his own diet, the one that I used to cut uh, belly fat uh, two summers ago. Uh, <laughs> got shredded uh, to some extent. Uh, so we, yeah, and, and there's a few more people who have who have really inspired uh, this as well, and uh, we'll we'll kind of bring them into the mix. Well, no, and, this is this is your uh, your baby, so to speak. I I brought it up to you, and and you brought these inspirations to the table. So yeah, they deserve uh, a big shout out. No, there's a few, and I really appreciate the people doing it right now. Um, Sam Harris, uh, Jordan Peterson, uh, Ben Shapiro. Uh, Joe Rogan, yeah. you know, we have a, a plethora, and those are all different types of people, but they're all doing the same thing right now, kind of bringing awareness and kind of um, bringing it's about talking. Yeah, talking, and and, and bring, you mentioned that too that you enjoy, you get a, a certain joy out of of talking mm-hmm. and listening to people talk. Yeah, listening. Yeah, that's uh, that's you know, and we can go over that again. That's another thing yeah. in the uh, socialization, and I was. I talked to my uh, AA, my quasi-sponsor, so to speak, about socialization and how important that is. We're a social animal. Mm-hmm. So Okay, so that's, I got a list of everything for next week. I can't, all right. I can't wait. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'm excited. So, all right, thanks, Steve. My shout-out to Jacob North for, for, for hey. making this possible. Hey. All right, guys. I'll uh, I'll see you. A, a man that doesn't give himself nearly as much, who's ready to give other people credit before he gives himself the the credit he deserves. Hey, I'm, I'm here for you. That's that's perfect. <laughs> I'll see you next week, Steve. All right, see you next week, Jacob. All right.